Hi, this is Kelly McCullough, and welcome to Anchored, my uh, ministry. This is my very first podcast, and um, I'm actually doing it outside. Um, it's such a beautiful day, and so you may hear a little bit of background noise, an occasional car driving by, the wind blowing uh, through the trees. Hopefully my dogs won't be barking. But um, anyway, uh, my very first podcast, I decided to bring um, the topic of prayer to you. I think today, you know, it is the year 2020, and there's a whole lot going on right now in our nation and in the world, and it's bringing a sense of hopelessness. And I really feel that if people learned how to pray, I mean, truly talk to God, that hope in your life would be restored. So some years back, my church held a a church-wide Bible study campaign, and the study topic was 40 days of prayer. And... It was written by Rick Warren, and it explored how to pray. Several people stepped up to lead small groups. We all held the same Bible study, but it was broken down into smaller groups. So more people could be involved. The times and the places of the study varied. So in my mind, I proudly claimed that I already knew how to pray and that I had a fine relationship with God, but I hungered for that fellowship. So I decided to join one of those small groups. And once I was involved, it didn't take me long to be humbled by the fact that my prayer life could actually use a lot of improvement. I learned for me that early morning prayer brings me so much joy. It sets the tone for my day. And I learned that my relationship with God could go much, much deeper than I originally thought that it could. I learned that prayer is a two-way conversation. It's not just me asking for forgiveness and making requests. I learned there's more to the Lord's prayer than simply reciting it during church service, you know, I would sit in church and we would recite the Lord's prayer as part of the, um, Sunday service. And I'd look around and I see everybody just kind of reciting it, just kind of saying the words from memory. But how many people, when they'd say the Lord's prayer, they actually understand what they're saying and how much of it is coming from their heart whenever they recite the Lord's Prayer. So that's what I wanted to bring to you. Um, In the book of Matthew, it's in chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus says not to use meaningless repetition, kind of like when we recite the Lord's Prayer in church. For many, isn't that what the Lord's Prayer has become? A repetitious wordy prayer not said from the depths of our hearts. So I broke the Lord's Prayer into pieces 
and I want to contemplate each line of that prayer and its meaning with you. Uh, I'm going to focus on the important components of what Jesus was actually teaching uh, during his Sermon on the Mount uh, when he taught the disciples the Lord's Prayer. So if you refer to Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, this is how the Lord's Prayer goes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So I identified six major components to the prayer, and I'm going to break it down for you. Prayer component number one, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does this mean? Jesus began prayer acknowledging the greatness of his Father. So when you begin your prayer, acknowledge God's greatness. When we open ourselves to God, why not acknowledge him as our loving father, full of goodness, full of kindness, full of love and mercy and grace. God's aware of his own righteousness, but by claiming it at the beginning of prayer, we're reminding ourselves of his grace and his protection that he is the greatest in heaven and on earth god is holy and jesus opens the lord's prayer acknowledging his father's holiness and all that he is and all that he does for you prayer component number two Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I consider this particular verse in two very different ways. So when I pray this verse, I pause with heartfelt consideration of what I am saying to God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. First, I see this verse as saying... I will do my best, God, to live my life here on earth as it's expected in heaven. Heaven is a wholesome, good, peaceful, delightful, happy place. It's full of goodness and righteousness. It is a place of warmth and love. So in this way of thinking, I am pausing and asking God to create in me a character that is worthy of heaven by living my life here on earth similarly. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So second, through the Bible study, the 40 days of prayer that I had mentioned, I also learned some valuable insight on this verse. It's a prayer of surrender. So by reciting and acknowledging Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By acknowledging that, you can surrender yourself to God. 
recognizing that it is his will that is to be done in your life. It is his will that manifests in your everyday, your everyday ordinary life during your time of sleep, during your time of work, during your downtime. It is his will during times of worry and hardship, but also during times of joy and complete peace. Besides, asking God to grow my character so that I may live righteously here on earth as it is in heaven, I am also surrendering myself to his will for my life, that he may do with my life as he sees fit. In the book of Mark 14, it simplifies the thought, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Prayer component number three, give us this day our daily bread. Now, after reciting this verse, I break off and I ask God to feed me. To nourish me in both body and in spirit. I ask that I be nourished with the food that I take in. That it will do good things to keep me healthy. The way food was intended. But I also ask him that he blesses me with the kind of daily bread. That it will nourish my spirit. So that I may grow and become a stronger, more knowledgeable, wise Christian. It's important though to keep in mind here that if we don't act on upon feeding ourselves we cannot benefit from the nutrition that's really important what i'm saying is if like if we don't feed feed ourselves if we don't eat if we don't feed ourselves good food then how can we be nourished and healthy it the same goes with the spiritual nourishment. We're asking God to give us this day our daily bread. But we have a job to do too. We must feed on God's word, the Bible. If we want the spiritual daily bread that we're asking for, it's up to us to act. Then God will do as we ask and nourish us. He will grow us with healthy and good food and spiritual growth of knowledge and wisdom. Prayer component number four, give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Some churches and Bibles recite this passage with the word trespass. Others recite it with the words debts and debtor. When we pray this verse, we're asking God to forgive us of our sins. What does the word trespass mean? It's overstepping a boundary line. It's going where God has asked us not to go or sin. What does the word debt or debtor mean in the Lord's Prayer? The Aramaic word, hoba, H-O-B-A, it means debt or sin. This could explain the difference in the wording found in the Bibles as it's been translated to us in English. But in this verse, we're simply asking God to forgive us of our many sins. And then likewise, we are stating that we will also forgive others of their sins against us. 
Look, if our Father, the Lord Almighty, can forgive us of our many, many sins, we surely can forgive the people who sin against and hurt us. Prayer component number five, lead us not into temptation. Without God's help, without his divine intervention, it's nearly impossible to resist most temptations of this world. Yeah, some some temptations are obvious to try and resist, Temptations to take what doesn't belong to us, temptations to cheat on our spouse, or to use foul language, to use controlling substances like drugs or excessive alcohol. But then there are those more subtle temptations that we encounter every day. Like I struggle with temptation to be complacent, to not move when God calls What about the temptation to slander or gossip? There's a whole lot of that going on in social media. Those temptations and sin spread like wildfire right now because it's easy to do when we're hiding behind a device. There are just so many temptations out there. So during this verse, lead me not into temptation, pause and acknowledge all your ways that you're being tempted easily and ask God to intervene, that his discerning spirit will cover you and pull you from that temptation. Prayer component number six, but deliver us from evil. This goes hand in hand with component five, lead us not into temptation. If we're not tempted, it's less likely that we'll commit acts of evil. If we're not tempted, it's less likely that evil will manifest in us. But also during this verse, ask for protection from Satan and his minions and all their evil ways of attacking you in your life. You may feel that you're a mighty warrior of God and that evil cannot touch you. But truly, without God's superior intervention, Satan is a pretty crafty and powerful character. He wasn't even afraid to approach Jesus when Jesus spent 40 days in the desert. And it's important to recognize and ask God to deliver you from evil and to cover you in his veil of protection. So I described and explained these aspects of the Lord's Prayer, the six components of the Lord's Prayer. So on any given day when you really just feel like you need to talk to God and you don't even know what to say, start with the Lord's Prayer and break it down. And after each after each component, after each verse, you know, when you start out with um Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Start out by rejoicing him, glorifying him, showing him that you are aware of his goodness and his grace and his holiness. And then continue on to, you know, to the next prayer component. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you submit yourself to God. And his will for your life. 
So between each component of the Lord's Prayer, take it a step further and you'll understand then that two-way conversation with God that I was talking about. It's not just you simply reciting a prayer that Jesus taught us, but you're acknowledging that you understand that prayer and that you're taking your conversation with God a little bit deeper with each component of the Lord's Prayer. And we end our prayer, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. I looked that up because if you were to read the Lord's Prayer the way Jesus taught us in the Bible, it doesn't end with, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So I kind of wanted to know who added that? Where'd that come from? So I learned that Protestants later added this ending to uh, the to Jesus's prayer, and there are different opinions on when it was added and by who. Regardless, after spending time reciting this prayer that Jesus Himself taught us, and during your time with God, reflecting on the meaning of each verse and how it applies to your life and your relationship with the Father, it does seem fitting to end with this last recognition of God's greatness. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for sharing this episode with me. God bless you.